Welcome to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. Thanks for joining us today. We're really believing that you'll benefit from the message that you're about to hear. A big thank you to those of you who share our podcast on social media. And thanks for rating and reviewing us on iTunes. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au. All right, we're looking at a series called He Said. So I... And looking at the words of Jesus and um, Pastor Yugi, that was a phenomenal message last week on forgiveness. Probably one of the best messages I've heard on uh, dealing with forgiveness. It really was. And I'm not saying that to flatter you. It was phenomenal. It was really a great pastoral plus teaching thing all combined together. And if you, if you know people, send them the link for our YouTube or wherever it is there. It's a great message. If you missed it, stay here and watch this one, then go and watch that one. Um, um, but we were looking at different phrases. So what are the things that Jesus said? And Jesus was, people loved Jesus. They hung around him, like what the Bible calls tax collectors and sinners. So the people, the outcasts of the society, he got invited to their parties. And they loved hanging around Jesus. They did. They, they, everybody loved go hanging around with him because it was who God, because Jesus showed us who God was really like. And everyone really loved God, even the people that were far from God. Like, really, they were like, I want to know who you are. Jesus, you're amazing. And he says so many different things. He showed us who God is. But I think the challenging part of he said so I is what it actually means for us. And looking at forgiveness was one example of, oh, so I have to forgive because he, he tells us to forgive. And so I, I, I want to look... Um, this morning at, at um, what Jesus said about money. And it's just as challenging because there's a whole bunch of things. As a pastor, I stand here going to go, oh, should I talk about this? I'm not really sure. Will you all leave? Will you hate me at the end? I'd really love to be liked. Let's be honest, so do you. So uh, that's a challenge. We live in a society right now where there's a whole bunch of different things that people are looking at at the church, scrutinizing about what we do, how we do it. Um, it's tight financially with different challenges that people have. People have guilt around it. And it's one of those topics you, like sex and politics. You just don't want to talk about it. You, you, everyone, everyone deals with it. Everyone's involved in it. But we don't really want to talk about it. But when you look at the words of Jesus, he talked a lot about money. Uh, 16 of the 38 parables were about how to handle money, possessions, and wealth. And um, lots of verses in the Bible talk about it. Jesus said something about you can't serve two masters, you can only love one. Big challenge. But I want to look at a phrase this morning. We go to the next slide. Found in Acts chapter 20. So this is the... The, the, the church had got on and they'd been doing what they need to do in church and life and, and doing all this stuff. And Paul is leaving a, a, a bunch of church leaders and he says to them, hey, remember what, the, remember what Jesus said? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Which if you find in the Gospels, isn't there. It's not there. Does that mean... No, but it was just that they can't fill the world with all the sayings of Jesus and all this stuff. So it's just one of these things that they were like, hey, this is what he said. It was like, in do this in remembrance of me. It's one of these phrases, turn the other cheek. It's more blessed to give than to receive. 
It was, a, it was a phrase that they used to say, hey, this is what we, we should be generous. We should give because it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so I want to I look at giving this morning. I want to do a little bit of teaching. Uh, so this sermon, just to be fair, is, is not fully a sermon, uh, not because I ran out of time this week. I'm just going to do a little bit of teaching. Then I'm going to be a teacher slash pastor and just answer questions that a bunch of different people, I asked a bunch of people in church, said, hey, if you would ask a question, what would it be? And I won't tell them that you've asked the question, um, but I just, just want to answer some of those questions. So let's go to the next slide. I want to talk about the whole idea of what is it to give? If we were to look at some guiding principles in the Bible, if you've been around in church world long enough, you, you, you understand that we receive an offering. Most churches do. Most societies do. Most clubs, most different things. They actually do what they do to fund how they go. And, and so I want to look at what are some principles, two guiding principles that we can apply to our life in, this, in today's society and then go, okay, well, so what does this mean for me practically? So the first one is the principle of the first fruits. So this is what I believe, um, and you may disagree with me, totally okay, I have the microphone, so I get to say it. So here's the thing, first fruits. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. There's this concept in the Bible of honoring God first. That's what the whole idea of first fruits is. Now, we, though as far as I'm aware, there aren't any people that work in the agricultural or farming industry in this area. You, we're mostly in a knowledge or systems-based sort of stuff. We do services. On, we're not actually producing things and giving them in. But the whole idea is what do we do? Who is first in your life? As a Christian, we believe that we are Jesus that we belong to him. And so who is first in our life? And so the guiding principle number one should be we should honor God first with our finances. Let me give you an, an illustration, probably the best way to, to do this, a, a real life example prior to the law. So let's go to the next slide. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. It has nothing to do with that, it's just their vocation. Um, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to God. That's really important to see. So, because let's be honest, honoring God with your finances is a very, it's what people want to do. It's, it's, it's a form of worship. It is. That's realistically, basically what it is. It's a form of worship. But who goes first? That's the question in this story. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and the face was downcast. You can read the rest of the story, but that's probably enough for the point here. So here is the first offering in the Bible. It's the first instance of what's happening in the Bible. So I think this is really important. And there are two brothers. 
And one of them, in the, he, he, he works the ground, there's some um, fruit or stuff that grows, and he gives some of it to God, which God doesn't look as favorably upon. And then the other brother, he gives of the firstborn to God. And God likes that one. And so the rest is history that he kills him and, and, and all that type of stuff. That's the rest of that story there. But the principle that I want you to see here is they honored God first. And God went, that's cool. That one I appreciate. That one I like. And so there's this principle that the first principle I want you to see is that there's one of favor. That it's a, it's a really, it's a test of who is first in your life. So practically, just really practically for us, I will give when we get paid for whatever the different sources of income that we have. My first thing is to God. You might go, well, that's just ridiculous. I've got to do this. I've got a direct debit of this. I know I understand all that. But realistically, what I want to do is a way to do this. I honor God first. And I will transfer that because who has cash anymore? Um, but what you need to see, if you read this, I don't have a long time to go through all of this. Jesus is the firstborn. He redeems all of us. We give the first of everything. You know, the reason that we worship on Sundays wasn't because, well, the temple's free on that day. So let's change it and let's go on that day. It was because it was the first day of the week. It was. It's the first day. Sunday is the first day of the week. So that when we're going to honor God with the first of everything we do. There's a principle that you honor God with the first and he blesses the rest. I'll go to that question too. I give to get. Well, we'll talk about that later. Jesus is the firstborn. God gives his first to us, to redeem us and to save us. And so the challenge for us is as a response of worship is that we want to honor God first. So my guiding principle number one is do I honor God first with what I receive? Second one. Next slide. Is regular proportional giving. And this is jumping into the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 to 12. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian church to do on the first day of every week. So that's Sunday. Each one of you should set aside. So this was everyone. Everyone should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income and saving up so when I come to collect, collect it has to be made. All right, so that's just a practical thing. But the whole idea, it needs to be regular, so weekly or whatever it is. Say maybe some of you only get paid once a month or whatever. Then do it regularly. Because here's the thing. I think what Paul realized is that we sort of get out of habit. And we, I miss a week. I miss a day. I miss a month. I miss a this. And, I'm, and, and we're, So it's got to be regular. It's got to be proportional. In keeping with your income. Because so, everyone is earning different degree of money. And, and, and so it's like, hey, you, you should just, you're super wealthy. You're really struggling. That's okay. Just in proportion to your income. That's what you should do. And it's interesting the word, each of them there. So in Luke 21, for those of you taking notes, there's a widow that gives like the last bit of her thing. And God sees that and honors that and blesses that and goes, that's amazing. That is going to be an example of the gospel everywhere throughout the world. 
And so Jesus watches what we do, but that, that whole idea is this is someone that's really poor doing what, um, giving even just the little that they have. But what, what proportion should I give? This is where I'm going to be controversial. Well, this is where you're not going to, you know, or I think, this is my personal convictions, how I live, I give 10%. Why? Because I see that that's a principle that happens throughout the Bible. Some of you will say, well, that's in the law and I'm not under law and all that. I'll get to that question. It's a brilliant question. But there is a, there's this whole idea, the word that they use in the Bible is this thing called tithe, which means it's a fancy, weird word for 10%. Um, and you can see that, the, that a biblical principle happens prior to the law. It's enshrined in the law. But equally, there are things that are in the law that are superseded that we still live by today. So even the whole idea of t- uh, having a Sabbath, a day of rest. I don't do that because I'm under the law. I do that because that's a principle. So there are principles that happen. So in the beginning, God rested. So the timeless principle, yes, it was enshrined in the law for a period of time. But beyond that, there, that still happens today. Let me give you an example for those who wanted to have a look at it. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 to 4. Now Melchizedek was king of Salem and the priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So Abraham, he, he plundered and he got all this stuff and he gave him a tithe. He gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then the king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning or day or end, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever. It's a type of Jesus. That's what he's trying to say. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham, who existed prior to the law, gave him a tenth of the plunder. So that's, I'm proportional and uh, that's what I do. And that's, I see this as a, a principle that is in the law, beyond the law. I think in the New Testament, they don't use the word tithing. They use giving. They use the word giving and receiving because I think what happens is they understand that it's way more than that. That actually I am, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I therefore, everything I have is God's. I'm steward of what I do. And so I give proportionately for me, that's 10% because I see the principle there. Because we're looking for how much is it? Four and a half percent? Is it 1%? Is it what it, what? Because we need to know sort of what that looks like. So they're the two guiding principles that I have that we should honor God first and that we should, with regular proportional giving. What I want to do now in the, in the 10 or so minutes that I have left is go through a bunch of questions that I think you would have or, and some of the people in the church that have, hey, um, can you help me out on my message? Um, okay, so let's go. First question. Isn't tithing just a law obligation? Um, so getting, looking at the same story from Genesis chapter 14, um, I, I would say that tithing is around before the law. Now, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. Again, as, as Hebrews says, he's a type of Jesus. And he blessed Abraham and blessed by be Abraham, be God most, by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. Praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies with his hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of 
everything. So we see, I, for me, I see this principle here. And so it's, 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 it's an old, it isn't a law. There's a law that happens and we are no longer under the law. We're under grace. But I'm looking for guidelines. I'm looking for templates. I'm looking for an understanding. What are the principles that happen throughout the Bible? And so for me, that's, that's there. Um, next question. Um, do I have to give to a church? Can't I just give that to a charity? Can't I just... I had a friend, actually. It was an amazing story. We were in the worship um, ministry together in our previous church. And he said, I, I tithe. I buy new guitar strings for my guitar. I'm like... I'd be like... Well, you obviously don't earn a lot of money because that's not a heck of a lot. That's $10 for, I think. But, but equally, I'm like, wait, what? You buy it on yourself? I'm not sure that's exactly what God had in mind when he was doing this thing. Um, what you need to understand, in the Old Testament, they would, they would give to the temple. They would give to the Lord. They would bring them. Malachi talks about giving to the storehouse. So that was an implied thing. So when you read, when Jesus is confronting the issue, the biggest issue he talks about is giving to the poor because they were always giving to the temple. You had to do that. And he's like, hey, you've forgotten the poor. And he makes a big deal about that. And you can see this carried through much throughout the New Testament. I'll talk about that in a moment. But what we do see in Acts chapter 4, verse 35, to 37, 35 and 37, is they start to bring money to the apostles' feet. Because they're, they're, they're in this in-between phase of like we're honoring God through the temple sacrificial system, but hey, what's happening? There's a new covenant. It's different. It's strange. And so they give some money and they lay it at the apostles' feet. There's a plural and for them to do what they needed to do. Um, but later on, again, and this is them still trying to work out, hey, we, what happened? Jesus has left. The Spirit has come. How do we what's happening in our church government system and structure. And so later on, we see in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5, they have this thing called the elders. So these are the people who are running the thing, uh, running the churches, who, who direct the affairs of the church well, are worthy of double honor, especially those who work is preaching and teaching. The scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. So he's just ripping stuff off from the Old Testament of a principle. Hey, we need to fund, because in the Old Testament, they funded the Levites. They were, they were um, for God, and everyone would fund their ministry. And so they're taking that principle and applying it and going, hey, we think this is what we need to do. We need to honor the church and help them do what they need to do. So in this place, uh, in, this, it, in this scripture, the whole idea of, supporting the person doing the ministry or the elders and the church and doing what it does. Um, fantastic. That's my son. Next, uh, next uh, question. What part does faith play in giving? Huge. Huge. Because if you give God first, who's going to guarantee the rest? That's the difference. If I'm going to give God the first 10%, how can I guarantee the rest of it? Well, we live in a different society in one level. 
and then I know what my pay package is going to be. If some of you, you're self-employed, you're in, your, your, your business is based on a whole bunch of different factors. I get it. I've, I've been in that space. I understand what the challenge of that is. Um, but the, the challenge is I'm going to give God the first part. So the rest, I'm committing my way to God. That's what you're saying. It's a declaration. It's a spiritual principle that isn't just, well, okay, here it is. I'm divided equally and God goes first. But it is actually saying, I'm living my faith. And, and Jesus taught us to pray, give us each day our daily bread. And so there's an element that we need God at the end of the day, that we ultimately, um, let me stick to my notes so I don't go too long. Um, that ultimately God is our provider. Ultimately, God is our provider. That's what we need to say, and that's what we're trying to do. So you may have an, or an employer or whatever it is, but ultimately what Jesus teaches us is that God provides us. By giving first, we're actually acknowledging that and say thank you for what you have done. All right, next question. Why do people talk about giving? To get the so-called prosperity gospel great question it is more blessed to give than to receive that's what jesus said that's the text i'm using this morning uh, or, I, I think what we see in and through the bible is there is this if you give there is some god blesses let me explain that because someone like well actually because that the challenge with thinking this way is it's transactional I input X, I will get Y. That takes all relationship out of it and makes a mathematical religious equation, which is not what God is about. It's not what God is. It's not who he is. He is God. He loves us. He wants to have an intimate relationship with us. He wants us to live for him and to give to him. He will lead us and guide us and help us and, and, and take us on this journey together. The challenge is if we, we hear scriptures like I'm preaching this morning, is more blessed to give than to receive. So therefore I give and I will get. But there is an element where God does reward us. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus preaches the gospel to the woman of the well and the disciples come back and go, what is my food is to do the will of whom you sent me. God provides me. There was an element of, of satisfaction from doing that. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, coming back to the previous question, but anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. It, it, there's an element God will reward you. Now, what does that mean I'm going to get cash? No, that's your problem. What is that reward? I don't know. You will earnestly seek him, God will reward you. Let's keep going. I've got a few more scriptures on this one. I can't read that. I've got to stick to my notes. Um, why don't you start one? I, this is a great example. So this is Paul writing. It's, he's talking about money. You can spiritualize it all you want. He's, this is the whole point of Philippians chapter 4. The first three chapters are very, thank you so much. I love you. You're amazing. Here's some interesting things. The real point of what he's actually saying, thank you for your financial gift. I greatly rejoiced in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. You gave me money. That's 
a nice way to say it. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. You need to understand this is talking about money, right? Don't, don't think it's, oh, they, I love you. I'm thinking of you. He's talking about cash. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I should just stop right there. This is interesting. Because this flies in the face of if I give, I will get. Because Paul's saying, I know what it is to have some money. Equally, I know what it is to not have any. So that doesn't really work with if I give, I will get. Because Paul's saying, hey, I've had heaps of money and I've also had nothing. So how do you resolve this tension? You just need to see when, the, when the, um, Peter and John come up to the temple and the guy goes, all right, can you give me some money? They're like, I don't have any money. I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have. You need to take all of the whole breadth of the scriptures in to understand that actually the prosperity gospel, if I give and I get, doesn't work. But God does bless you. If I can say both of those things, hold them in tension while we go through this, if that's okay. Um, I have learned to be content, whatever this is. I know what it is to be in need. I know it's plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether it's well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or, or, or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's your fridge magnet verse talking about financial, where he's living. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Good for you to give me some money. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. This is the word that they use, giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That is a great, well-rounded thing of give. And God will bless you back somehow may not be straight away, but God will bless you. In fact, it's God sees it as a beautiful sacrifice, Stephen. In the meantime, can you be content? Because God will give you the strength that you need. He will supply all you need because he said that. Look at the ravens, don't worry about tomorrow, all that type of stuff. But there's this tension that I think this scripture holds up really well of, hey, because if we start thinking, if I put in, I will get, that's so dangerous. That's why people are disheartened and discouraged with God because I gave this. In. But this scripture is a guy who was like, hey, no church gave. Nobody except for you. Thank you. Even though it was late. Thank you. That's what he's saying. And so I, I think it's normal. I think it's, it, it shows the complexity of the whole situation. Now. Anyway, but I do think, what else have I got? Have I got anything else on this or uh, let's go to the next question? I do. Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Again, this is talking about finances. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give whatever you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, 
For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you abound in every good work. This is, I guess, the challenge. If you see this verse and go, wow, you can't just take this verse in isolation, but it is an element of God does it, the sowing and reaping. The challenge is, I want to reap what I sowed yesterday. I totally do, and so do you. But David said, I was young, and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They're always generous. Over the course of time, long time, God will bless you. He will. I've seen it. I've talked to people in this room. I've talked to people that I know. Over the course of time, not your little... God blesses you. If you honor him, put him first. He will. But we want it tomorrow. And that's, that's where people get, see, I gave. So let's go. Next. If I don't give a tithe or a 10%, will I be, will I be cursed? No. Because God, God, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree, on a pole. Jesus was that. He redeemed us in order the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we receive the promise of the Spirit. Ultimately, let me say that in normal English, we aren't under the law, we are under grace. So I, I don't live by the law, I don't live according to the law, so I don't tithe because of the law. I tithe because God's blessed me. It's a totally different thing. If you don't tithe, am I cursed? No, you're under, you are blessed. In the New Testament, we're blessed and with every spiritual blessing. It's amazing what God has done for us, but we're not cursed. Next one. I can't afford to give anything, let alone a tithe. I totally understand that. I've, I, I know what it is to be in plenty. I also know where we've, uh, we had one year where it was, uh, we, we thought we'd stepped out by faith and it was a disaster, absolute disaster. And so we were eating very little. Um, I think, you know, it was uh, bread and two-minute noodles and a whole bunch of... I know what that's... That's just painful. And I don't look back and go, that was glorious. It was awful. So, I can't afford to give anything, let alone a tithe. Um, where are we? I think what I want to challenge you to think by is what do you live by? What's your principle? And to live by principle rather than a situation. Jesus, at the end of his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. So I'm talking to people who say, I can't give anything. Understand that. What is your principle of living, though? Take, a, take away the situation of, I can't right now, or, you, know, you don't understand my situation. What is your principle? You need to start with that before you go, well, I've got whatever I've got left. That's what I'm going to do. Start here and say, well, I want to honor God. I'm talking about practically some steps, but I think it's it, good to start with, I want to honor God with what I have. Live by the principle, putting God in, first in your finances and give regularly and in proportion. Giving is more 
that you can give God, tell me so many different ways, but ultimately if we just talk about giving finances, giving money, because that's the, that's the big question people want to start. I think you've got to start with something. I would encourage you to start with something. Look at the story of the loaves and the fish. I don't have anything. What have I have? How does this even matter? How does this small amount actually make a difference? It probably won't by itself, but when you give it and surrender it to God, God can do incredible things. He can multiply. He can do something. It's actually what it does for you and your heart. It's the whole point of giving really more than anything else. But practically, I would encourage you to start with something. One cent. Like something. What could you do? Again, this is the sacrifice in that space. Um, but pray about it. Ask God for um, a, a solution. Um but I would start with something and then do it first. Just even by putting God first and doing that, he's the first person I give to and doing that regular amount. They go, I'm going to do this, even if it's $1. I'm going to give $1 every week. Because you suddenly you've changed everything from I'm not giving anything because I can't to taking lordship and authority over it. I'm going to do this. But... What if, this is probably the next question, go to the next question, my life is a financial mess. Because that's really probably what's happening if your situation is here. If you, you can't do anything because you've got consumer credit card debt, you're, you've got no idea, like it's a, it's a mess. And you're saying to me, Luke, you don't totally understand my situation. I own more than I could ever earn in my lifetime. There are two things that we can do. So... CAP is a great um, organization. Pastor John has worked for them in the past. They'll come in and help you. But nuts and bolts, get into a ground level and go, hey, we could put a stop here, start there. We can put in a payment plan, do all this type of stuff. But there, this and the other thing I would love to advertise, if you would love to do this, why don't you come and talk to me? I'd love to run this Financial Peace University. It's a nine-week course that we can run through um, together. Get that being really clear, you don't need to tell us your problems. You don't need to say what you've been through. Maybe you're facing bankruptcy or anything like that. Hey, these these courses can actually help you. Because I don't want to say, hey, you should give. I don't want to ignore your problems. I think you should still give, but let's deal with your problems. Because those problems are here. They're not other people's fault. They're, they're here to start with, hey, let's look at what's happening for you. Let's take over control of what you can control and let's deal with this. But God cares for you. And I thought, that's my notes here. I forgot to say all of that. God actually does care. He does care. He sees your situation. You might sit there and go, man, I just feel super guilty right now. I can't do anything. It's a mess. God sees you. He cares for you. He can provide for you. Next question. My spouse doesn't follow Jesus. I can't give. I would love to flip that and tell you that you have more power than you think you have, according to the Bible. If a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, I love that, uh, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through the wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children will not be unclean, but it is as they are holy. If you don't have a, a part, if you have a partner who doesn't follow Jesus, you are influencing them. 
That's what the scripture says. You are making them holy. I'm challenging your mindset. The presence of God is on your life. The kingdom of God is being outbroken through your life. It's changing you. But how does that mean? Well, what does that mean? Fine. How do I, what are you, I still feel guilty. You're talking about money and I'm not going to, how does that work? I would have honest conversations about what's important for you. You must have some discretionary funding. Could you do something? I don't know. Even if you can't. One of the great stories we had in our, in our church was someone in this situation said, I can't give any money. So you know what I can do? I could clean. Can I clean? Because I can't give. This is just not possible. Can I clean? I don't know. If I read the Bible, does it say anything? I'm, it's a sacrifice. I don't want it. Who wants to clean the toilets? I don't want to do that. Amazing. It was fantastic. I'm just saying that the, I want you to think creatively. If God is first, what could you do? Just think, just think differently. Um, next question I think I have. I've been hurt by the church when I gave in the past. So maybe you gave sacrificially, faithfully, and you've been hurt by church. Maybe that money was wasted, misused. How do you deal with it? How do I know it won't happen again? Maybe you had some pastor that told you were very controlling what you can't do, you shouldn't do, all that type of stuff. Can I just say, I'm really sorry. That's terrible. But even in Jesus' situation, he had Judas, who was ripping off the money the whole time. I don't, I reckon, like Jesus is there, this is Jesus' ministry, and Judas is ripping the money off. He was a thief, the keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put into it. I think as long as there is sin in the world, there is going to be corruption, particularly with money, because people, the love of money is the root of all type of evil. And so I would love to say, well, our church is perfect. But the reality is there's corruption everywhere. Even in Jesus' disciples. Some guy was helping him up. Oh, let's receive the money. He's like, great. Telling his own thing. I'm sad. But it's there. Because let's just say that's there. And it's terrible. But the challenge for, for us, if you give, is like you could have bought something else. That's sacrificial. That's, that's huge. And so the pain that you feel is massive. I don't want to undervalue that and go, well, it happened to Jesus. So you should just be like Jesus and get over it and forgive. Like that's, it's hard. But I'm telling you that these things happen and God sees them. And I think ultimately God will judge the church. It, it, he, will, he will give people a time to repent and say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I'm warning you, I'm warning you. All right, I'm going to expose you. And then judgment begins in God's household. I think that's what God does, a pattern of dealing with stuff, corruption, and it will ultimately come out. If it doesn't come out in this lifetime, they will stand before God in heaven and, and face the thing. I mean, I think sometimes for us, we've probably wasted money on things that we shouldn't have bought or done. But at the time, it was probably the best decision we thought or we didn't have the time to look at other things. We're not without guilt. But... 
I would, I would, my encouragement to you would draw as distinction between giving to God and giving to man or humanity. I give to God. Ultimately, after that, it's, he's going to judge. I try to give to God. And so I'm not, you're giving for that. What are you doing for that? I'm going to give to God. And so I encourage you to, to give to God. And I understand there's challenges and there's offenses and difficulties. And that's hard to trust people because trust is something that's burnt over time. And when it's gone quick, it's, it's, it's really hard. And so I, I would, I would say that you look for churches I mean, our church does it, but look for churches that have good governance in place. So we have a board and we have a budget that's set by the board. And so I don't, I don't go, Hey, this is what I spend all this money on. We have a board that looks at it and this is what we think we can spend the money on. So what we can't spend the money on, this is where it is. And I have freedom within that space, but that's it. We also have charities, the ACNC, which it governs all the charities. They're probably going to do some work on that having a look at some stuff at the moment, but throughout the whole, um, just what's happening in church life in Australia. But we have an annual general meeting. So I, I remember when we started this church, people thought we were really strange because I, we were having church membership and they're like, oh, it'll kill your church. But I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very normal human being. I can be, I could be wrong. I would love to have an accountability of not just a board, but a membership of church. And so they get to see stuff. So every year we have an annual general meeting where you can, we present the finances. It's just what it is. This is where we spent it. This is where we didn't spend it. This is what we got. This is what we didn't get. Like, this is what it is. We've got nothing to hide. I don't have anything to hide. Um, and where that gets reviewed by someone outside of our church that we know nothing, that we know them, but we, they don't connect it to us and they review it, go the process and situation. We're good. I think they're the things that you need and you need to be part of something bigger, like a denomination. We're part of the Australian Christian churches. You, you need to have these safety boundaries in place to help you. And the lag. This is going too long. All right, quickly. Um, how does Rivers Edge Church spend the money we give? Um, that would not, I was thinking of a joke and it's not a perfect time to have a joke. Stay focused. So we employ different people. I'm employed and when we and Kate and Catherine are part-time. But we have this rental, pay for the electricity, kids ministry stuff, all that type of stuff. We, we, get, we have the, like, all the stuff that goes on. Um, but that's not how, that's up to the board to determine the leadership of our church and we set a budget and uh, you have, if you're a member of this church and so if you want to, if you want to more about membership and something, I can encourage you to have a talk with Harley and, We'll get the growth track. What does that mean? It's probably, I don't have time for that now. Um, but that's where we spend the bulk of our money. Um, um, let's move on. Next question. What if I don't want to give? I, would, I still love you. God loves you. I mean this. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Don't feel guilty or under any compulsion to give. If you don't want to give, that's okay. I thought the best thing for me to do today is to present what I think are the principles, answer some of your questions. You're a thoughtful, intelligent person. You love God. You sort it out. But if you feel shame and guilt, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. So in that space, you can make up your own mind. What about giving to charities and to the poor? And the team could come. We're going to finish because someone wants a bacon and egg roll. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and those are my companions. Everything I did was showed you by this kind hard work, this, the kind, this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That is something that is probably one of the greatest legacies of the Christian church that we can see today, that if you don't know history, you will assume humanity got better by itself. Christianity, were the first people to look after orphans, set up orphanages, and maybe we've got different ways to do that, but they were like, hey, we should do this. We should set up a hospital. We, we should set up universities. We should set up schooling for the, because we should help people who are weak, not just physically weak, but far from being able to help themselves. This is not some sort of masterpiece of evolution. It's not. It's the masterpiece of the kingdom of God coming upon us and going, hey, 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 God's doing something to me. I've got to change this world. I want to see his kingdom come. And so there needs to be righteousness and peace. And so I want to see this out. And so I'm so grateful for what we do in our church. We change makers. It's just a start, really, of what we can do. And there's so much more that we can do. But it is more blessed to give than to receive because God does incredible work when we just help and see this out. And so we give. So that's why for me, it's more than tight. I want to give to what I can in and through our church to change makers. And so if you want to talk to Ali, give her a wave there, Ali, if you want to know more about this and being a part of that team or and give financially to, to what we do there, where we actually try to help those that are weak from a week in a to quote the scripture. All right. I probably had more, way more questions and that went longer than I anticipated. I'm sorry, but um, I just thought it'd be an easy way to answer some of the questions. Um, but if we could stand. I want to encourage you to give. And I will be here. Um, I'm I, like, maybe I, you have a bigger question and, and I and you want to clarify some stuff, fantastic. I'd love to talk with you and answer some of those questions. But it is really about living by principle and putting God first and giving regularly in proportion to your income. But I'm encourage you to just start. Maybe 10% is like, Luke, 10%? Are you serious? Do you know how much the interest rates are? Mate, you've got it. We are very blessed in this, in this country. Just, just be really honest. We are very wealthy so many different ways but what if we could actually just give to god just start somewhere that's all i'm trying to encourage start somewhere and god will do a work of grace in your life and i need to finish because the reality is that god gave first god so loved the world that he gave his only son So he knows what it is. It is more blessed to give than to receive without any result of like, okay, well, I'm going to give to get. So therefore you will all become Christians or followers of me is what Jesus is thinking. No, he's like, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And that's the heart of God to give. Does anything come back? That just to bless you. That's what God's heart is. He's already demonstrated that in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we should be grateful and thankful for what he has done because he's blessed us and given us everything that we need. Let alone physical stuff. Forgiveness and peace with God is incredible. Like that, that in itself is like, God, I love you. I thank you. I'm so grateful for that. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness toward us. I just pray that, Lord, you would um, help us to wrestle with what this looks like in our life. We go home, we talk about it, we think about it. Uh, ultimately, Lord, we want to put you first in our life. We want to bless you. We want to thank you. And we thank you for the opportunity to do that. And Lord, we um, just we just love you. We thank you. Pray that, Lord, you would um, help us. Lord, I pray for those that are really struggling. There may be some employment, financial pressures and challenges. I, do, I thank you that you do care. And you love them. I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, even as a church, we could do something for them because we want to help those who are um, going through challenges. So we thank you for the, the richness of what we've been able to do in and through what we're doing in Changemakers. And we believe in, Lord, for greater days ahead as we're able to go into our community spaces and do stuff. But I pray that we will continue to honor you first in all that we do. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au.